Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. In today's episode, I get to talk with Thor Ramsey, who defends Christian comedy and shares some excellent tips for screenwriters. Before we get into the episode today, I just wanted to tell you about a special event that's coming up. If you are watching or listening to this before June 14th, 2001, then you still have time to sign up for our free summit, Email Marketing for Christian Fiction Authors. The summit features 12 expert authors and writers from a variety of experiences, all offering you their best tips on growing and using an email list. You can go to theophanymedia.com slash summit to get more information. And if it's past that date, that's okay. Go to that link anyway to see our latest events and to learn how to purchase the summit recordings. Okay, now back to the interview. Hello, everyone. Again, this is Brandon Hollingsworth coming back to you with the Creatively Christian podcast from Theophany Media. And today I'm fanboying just a little bit because I'm getting the opportunity to interview one of my favorite Christian comics on the planet, Mr. Thor Ramsey. Hello, Thor. How are you? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am so stoked. (laughs) I am so excited. Uh, Before we start, everybody, I showed Thor a little uh, Bananas DVD that I watch all the time with him and Bone Hampton, which I think is one of the funniest things ever. So thank you so much for giving us some of your time, Thor, to come on today and talk a little bit about church people. Uh, Tell us a little bit uh, right off the top. We'll cover this again before we're done. But where can people find out a little bit more about church people so they can pull Uh, it up? Yeah, if they go to churchpeoplefilm.com, that's really the the place to find out uh, what's happening uh, the theatrical release has already passed, but there's still other ways to see it. So churchpeoplefilm.com. And um, the best way is just, you know, put your email on them. They'll, they'll give you updates as to how things, you know, they're rolling out different ways of seeing it, and, you know, as they do all films. And then eventually it'll make its way to digital media, but there's ways seeing it now. So awesome. go right there. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we were we were talking with Christopher yesterday. He's the director and he was saying that there's so many moving parts with this film release thing. But let me tell everyone a little bit about who you are, Thor. So I'm going to read your bio. So Thor Ramsey wrote Church People in which he stars as Guy, the mega church youth youth pastor. Thor has been a working stand up comedian since 1987. He began his career (laughs) as a club comic where he worked uh, in most of the major comedy clubs around the country, such as the Improvs and Funny Bone Comedy Club chains. In uh, 2004, Thor became the the host of Bananas Comedy Series, which was purchased by Sony Television and could be seen in over 90 million homes in its heyday, heyday, mostly by 12-year-olds and by Brandon. So... (laughs) Uh, Along with Bananas, which ran for three seasons, Thor was featured in three of the best-selling Christian comedy DVDs of all time, Thou Shalt Laugh, from the same producer as the Blue Collar Comedy Hour. Thor also wrote and produced his own comedy series for one season, Comedy at Large with Thor Ramsey, which aired on the now-defunct iLife TV channel. Thor has also produced and directed five stand-up comedy specials, including Brimstones and Punchlines, Narrow Road Comic, Square and Thor Ramsey's new comedy revolution one and two. Thor is a member of the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists and is the author of three books. He has a wife, two daughters, and a son. Welcome, welcome, my brother. I am so excited. So, so tell us, Thor, a little bit about, you know, I think you're probably the first Christian comedian we've had on the Creatively Christian podcast. So okay. tell us, tell us a little bit about being a believer. And having a desire to be a comedian, what kind of led you to combine those two things? Well, um, you know, I thought about being a comedian even before I was a Christian. You know, I was just always drawn. I remember when I was a little kid, I mean, I must have been like five or six years old. I used to uh, get up late at night and sneak downstairs. My dad would be watching The Tonight Show. And, uh, you know, my dad would just let me crawl up in his lap and then I'd be watching the tonight show with my, I don't, you know, just, I think some of it was just to hang out with my dad at night, but sure. 
But I remember when the comedians came on, I didn't really understand what they were, but I, I remember all throughout my childhood, uh, the comedians would come on the Tonight Show and there was just this, you know, it's like some people fall in love with the theater. Well, I fell in love with the whole concept of stand-up. So there's a person talking and people laughing at them. It's, you know, <laughs> but they're making people laugh was the whole thing. And so I was always kind of the class clown and kind of a combination class clown teacher's pet. And you get that by making the teacher laugh. And then if you can make the teachers laugh, then you're class clown, class, you know, teacher's pet type of thing. So, um, so I was just always attracted to stand up. And then throughout your life, people tell you, you should be, you know, you know, you should be a stand up. And then I had a, uh, I had a friend of my, I think it was my junior year of high school. A friend of mine came to me and said, you know, I had a dream last night. You were on the tonight show. And she okay. goes, you had a good set. <laughs> and so about a decade later i found myself working as an operations supervisor at a trucking company and i hated the job so i figured you know if you're if you're not going to follow your own dreams your marvels you might as well follow somebody else's so i went ahead and found my way to a you know i found a, an ad for a local comedy competition and entered it and won the first round and just you know from there started working every week and that was really? 1987 again. And then, wow, that within, that's... Uh, within a year, I was working 42 weeks a year on the road. That is crazy. That's just amazing. It's like I just followed my calling right into it. Just took that first leap. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's great. Well, your friend who said that your set was great on the Tonight Show, did you ask her to write any of that stuff down? You know, th that good set that you had on, in no, her dream? No, <laughs> it was actually a so it was actually someone I dated, and so. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it ended well. <laughs> so, so that, that is some powerful advice though. You know, if you're, if you're a young, you know, listener out there or a young watcher and, and you're thinking about getting into, into this kind of creative comedy space, follow, follow, follow what God's leading you to do. Right. Well, I will say this in, in terms of the creative, you have to do, you know, you have to practice your craft to get good at it. I mean, Absolutely. uh, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld said this, you got to be bad at comedy before you can be good at it. Right. Um, right. Cause there's, you know, it's like, it's different to make someone laugh in a conversation and then take that idea and translate it to making a group of people laugh on stage. Cause you're not having, now you're having a one-way conversation really. So it's different than, you know, the conversation here. It's Cause a lot of people can be funny in real life. It's like, how do you transfer that? Um, we all have senses of humor. And so, mm -hmm. you know, standup is about translating that or whatever you're writing. If you're writing a screenplay or a novel, it's about right. translating it. But again, the, the thing, the thing I'd emphasize now to your, your viewers is you, you have to practice the craft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it was uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's written a ton of books. I can't remember what book he wrote, but he wrote a book on that very subject of, uh, and I think he used the Beatles as an example, but you have to put in so many uh, man hours uh, before you actually get proficient at your craft. So whatever yeah. it is, you know, if you're a writer, you have to write. If you mm -hmm. want to be a filmmaker, and it's easy, man, it's easier now than any day in the history of filmmaking to get good at filmmaking. Absolutely. I wish we'd have had the technology we had now when I was, if we had the f technology now, uh, when, when I was 18 or 19, if we had that same technology back then that we have now, I would have been making films right away. I'd have just been right. like calling a bunch of people together and shooting a feature. Yeah. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Because the technology's there. So just practice it. Just do it is the whole idea. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree more, Thor. And I think actually, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld who's, you know, kind of, you know, proclaimed as one of the hardest working guys in television. He's got a thing called Don't Break the Chain, right? Where he's like, whatever you're doing, whether it's writing or, you know, screenplays or, or videography or whatever you do it. And then you mark an X on your calendar and you do that every day. Uh, and when you, and when you see all those X's on the calendar, you, you won't want to break the chain. You'll force yourself to, to uh, do what, you know, whether it's write a page or, you know, right. you know, good. it's great advice. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're spot on. You, you, you have natural gifts and talents that God has given you, but that doesn't mean that they're perfect, right? You've got a home. Well, they have those, to be developed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I learned that, uh, you know, I really have a renewed respect for actors after doing uh, church people. Now I'd done 
Christopher and I had done, Christopher Sean Shaw, the director of Church People, and I have done, well, almost for a decade now, we've done short, a bunch of short films, these 10-minute right. films. And so we got experience filmmaking because in these short films, we ended up having the same crew that you'd have for a feature-length movie, except you're only shooting three days. You're not shooting 21 days or 30 days or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, so we lear- we were learning the craft of filmmaking, but boy, the acting was different, you know, because like Michael Monks, who played Pastor Skip in the movie, is an acting coach. So he was my acting coach during the filming. And uh, yeah, I have a really renewed respect for actors. Well, I think some of it was because there was some drama in church people, which, you know, my new rules, there's no crying in comedy. So just (laughs) get that out of there. Anyway, but we had that's another story we had to fight to keep it a comedy believe it or not well it's um, a it's a pretty serious topic you know the 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 core of the movie is a pretty serious one and very, very very topical and very timely yeah and 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 so tell us a little bit about what led you to write it. i know you wrote the script several years ago right so what, yeah. oh what yeah led you- so i probably started the script about 2000 between 2009 2011 somewhere in there but uh I'd written, you know, some other screenplays that were just general market comedies. Mm-hmm. And um, I was writing a particular comedy about the Christian subculture, mm-hmm. you know, because I was a Christian. So you write what you know. And I was immersed sure. in the Christian subculture and I was doing these big, gigantic youth events. I mean, we did an event in Nashville. We literally had over 10,000 youth workers at this event. Wow. So these were, I mean, and back in the day when, when these events were like nationally known events, I mean, there was, you know, three to 5,000 people showing up at these events. Mm -hmm. So these were huge events and they were a lot of fun to do. And you met all kinds of people, but again, it's a, it's, it's a certain subculture that you're Mm -hmm. really immersing yourself into there. So you really get to know that subculture. And then I did some tours with some people, you know, and bus tours and there's a whole aspect to that kind of culture. Um, so I, was, I started on the script just about a youth pastor in crisis. And the inspiration for it really was uh, John Favreau, who a lot of people may know from, uh, he created The Mandalorian for mm-hmm. the Disney Channel, and he directs and writes a bunch of those episodes. And it, he also uh, directed uh, some of the Iron Man movies. He played Happy in that universe. Right. right. But he's an, he was an actor initially who's also a director and writer, but back in about 2000, I'd have to look it up, but about 2009, 2010, I think this might've been his first directorial uh, day. This might've been his directorial debut, but debut, but he wrote and directed a film called uh, Swingers, which is about a guy whose girlfriend dumps him and it's his buddies trying to help him get over it. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, it's a buddy movie but it was low budget. It was only $200,000. And so I was really monitoring low budget movies that did well at the box office. Cause I think it made 4 million at the box office. And, um, and it was a really well done film. And so that kind of the tone of that film, and it was comedic in nature. So the tone of that film kind of became my model for writing, uh, which or at the time was called youth group. Right. So it was a, it was a story about a youth pastor in crisis. And, um, so this is back in the day I had a career I really cared about. And so I had a manager and uh, my manager got me a meeting with Sony Affirm. And there's a guy, I think he's still there, Josh Nadler. He's a guy over there, a really good guy. And, uh, you know, I had a meeting with them. And I, my whole idea at the time was I had these two high concept romantic comedies that were finished, but they were just general market comedies. But I really thought, I still think they have, I still think they're good ideas. So I still plan on selling them one day. But the point is this, you know, the night before I took some friends out to dinner and I'm like, I want to try my two minute pitches on you guys. I'm preparing for a meeting tomorrow. And I give them my two minute pitch. And I went into this meeting thinking I was completely prepared. And I give them my two minute pitches on these. And they're like, we want, what's Sony Affirm, we're faith-based. Do you have a faith-based script? That's, did you, did you prepare for this meeting at all? So I'm like, well, I've got this idea about a youth pastor in crisis. Like, we want to see that. And, uh, so I'm like, well, give me a week because I, I only had 30 pages of it. Right. So I took that week and I finished the script and I sent it off to Josh. And he called me up and gave me notes on the script. 
And so, but he did this five times. So (laughs) the guy did this five times. He'd, I'd do a rewrite, send it to him. He'd call me up and give me notes. And so the very final time he says, what your story needs right now is a big idea to bring all the characters together. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll look for a big idea. You know, you'll just know it when you hear it type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I had my antennas up for a big idea and, and I was part of a church plant at that time. I wasn't the lead pastor or anything, but I was part of a church plant. Um, you know, so, uh, but my, my, uh, the guy who was the lead church planner calls me up and he goes, you're not going to believe what this nationally known church that we all have heard of and is very influential is doing. I won't name it right now. He goes, they're actually crucifying a human being on good Friday. I'm like, there's oh no way. They go, yes. I'm looking at their social media page, right? You know? So I check it out and it turns out it's, it was false. Right. What he did was he misread their uh, advertising because <laughs> it, it, they were just doing a passion play, but they were going to make it so graphic that they had all kinds of warnings that made it sound like there was going to actually, it was, it sounded, it looked like they were going to kill somebody almost, you know, but right. it was just a passion play, but it was going to be very graphic. So he misinterpreted that. But what I realized at that point is that the American evangelical church, not judging anyone's motives, but maybe for the best of intentions, pastors had done crazy things to attract people into church, but they'd done such crazy things that for a moment, my friend and I actually believed that an American evangelical church would actually crucify someone on a good Friday. And at that point I go, there's my big idea because yeah. that's satirical in nature. Right. And so we took that idea and that became kind of the central idea of the script and, and everything kind of revolved around that. That, that is, that, that is awesome. And I can't imagine that the head of Sony, a firm is calling everybody up, giving them notes five times over and over again. That's probably, that's probably well, not normal. So God's sounds like God's had a hand in this from a long time ago. That's well, I think awesome. Josh is just a really good guy. <laughs> well, I, I want to, I want to tease out a couple of kind of salient points there in that story, Thor. And that's that number one, you know, you, you got ready for this pitch meeting and you had a couple of, a couple of really well-practiced you know, pitches yeah. ready to yeah. go. Um, and, and, and you actually practice them on people. That's, that's a, that's a little nugget that a lot of people don't understand that when you're in this industry, you've got to practice your pitches. You got to do it to everybody that will listen and you got to run down the street, you know, chasing somebody and say, Hey, let me run this log line by you. See if it, see if it smacks you. Well, right? if you and if you tell somebody about your movie idea, I mean, even if it's like, even if it's longer than a two minute pitch, you're going, Hey, if it, even if it's with a conversation with somebody, it's like, oh, I got this idea for a movie. And you start telling you start telling him the movie, you can tell where you lose them. Right. Exactly. As you're telling them. So you're going, well, there's a problem with my story idea right there. <laughs> that's so where I need to fix why, something. Yeah. That's why it's good to tell the, because you're getting the reaction. You're getting mm-hmm. feedback. Right. You know? right. And, you're, and you're sorting out problems on your own. You might be like, that really yeah. sounds awkward coming out of my mouth. Why do I say it yeah. that way or whatever? Yeah. So practicing that pitch is one big point. Number two, having something in your hip pocket for when they inevitably ask what else you got, right? That's yes. always, yeah. that's in every pitch meeting. You got to have that what else you got. Taking criticism well, right? Which is a, was it, was it a great Christian lesson and a great well, creative it's lesson? It's never personal. I mean, you got, it's like, you got, you just got to figure this out as an artist. It's never personal. It's, it's like, you know, as a comedian, if, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who's, you know, we, I've probably known him longer than any other comedian. Uh, his name is Joby Sad. Joby and I go back from, I think we met my first year of comedy. And I think he'd been doing comedy about six months longer than I had. <laughs> so we go back a long way and we've kept in touch throughout the years. And I think we've become better friends. We were never, you know, it's like our friendship has increased throughout the years. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the, the point is, what, what was my point? Uh, the, Oh, well, it's, it's, we're talking about COVID. Mm-hmm. I go, this is the best time to be a comedian for me. Cause I'm like, you don't have an audience. So right. it's like, I can do all the stuff I think is funny. And it's like the, the audience doesn't dictate what I'm doing. Finally, right. finally, <laughs> someone's listening to me or I can just listen to myself, but an audience instead, they dictate what's going to be funny. Cause a lot of stuff you do is like, I don't think that's that funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you guys laugh at this. It's like, and it's like, uh, you know, but that's, it's never personal, you know, it's like, so it's just that way. And as you're developing your stuff, the stuff that, you know, the 
people resonate or resonate people relate to it or whatever and then right, that's the stuff right. you keep yeah absolutely and that's that's a great lesson for those young creatives or people that are struggling in this area is that you got to separate yourself from your creation you know it's not it, it is your baby for a certain amount of time but then you got to kind of let it get up and walk on its own and if it falls yeah. down it falls there's down. an old rule it's it's kind of a uh you know you got to be able to it's kind of a morbid rule but you got to be able to sacrifice your children yeah absolutely. the idea there's some things that just have to you love them you love this scene you love this idea whatever it is you it's like and sometimes you just have to cut that put that and it's like you know i have three friends we're we're, you know three other friends bone who you mentioned you know held that up so bone hampton darren strebel leland clausen and i have all been friends for you know again over 20 years and uh we connected first year we've we've written a screenplay together Mm-hmm. And it's a funny screenplay and we're just honing out the final draft right now, but it's finished, but we're, you know, honing it out right now. And, uh, but I know eventually it's, and it's going to hurt some of these guys. We're going to have to cut some of that comedy. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because, you know, the thing about comedians is they want all the comedy, but it's sure. films about story. So you right. really got to focus on what serves the story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the comedy, even though it's funny, doesn't serve the story. And, uh, and I know because for, for a couple of them, it's for the first time they've ever done a screenplay. Right. So uh, for a couple of them, it's going to be a painful process eventually. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, talk talk to me a little bit about that transition, because I think that's an interesting transition from comedy to screenwriter. That's that's not something that every well, for comic... me it wasn't just because when I began, I, uh, I literally began as, you know, a writer, uh, my like, so when I was in, in high school, again, I had a great English teacher and, uh, and I wanted to be a writer. Like when I was in, you know, when I, when I discovered novels, my goal when I was 17 was to become a writer someday. Um, and even now I've written five novels mm-hmm. and I'm just now moving out to try to get those published. Uh, cause the thing about novels is I think the, the, the long, you know, if you want to be a novelist when you're 17, that's great. Continue writing. Mark your X on the calendar every day. Continue <laughs> writing, but realize you're not going to have any good stories to tell until you're like in your forties. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so just prepare yourself for a long haul of. Now, that's not to say you can't, you know, tell some interesting stories as a 17 year old and write what. You, but here's the thing, right? They say write what you know, and I would just start keeping a journal of your daily life. <laughs> right. Fictionalize it if you want. Just right. fictionalize your daily life. Yeah. And then when you're 40, you can look back and you can fix, you can shape that into a story. Absolutely. I wish I'd have done that. But I think a lot of times you try to write ahead of where you are. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're mm-hmm. 17, just write about being 17, you know, right. and write about what it's like to be a 17 year old or an 18 year old or in college or whatever you're doing, just write about that. And then eventually later you'll find, cause the, you need details mm-hmm. to hang your story on. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, uh, and you need real life. You need real life yeah. to kind of percolate through that story. You know, you yeah, can tell. It's the, de- it's the details that sell the story. Absolutely. So you know, and I always say, begin with the story. Be- find a story that you're passionate about, but then as you're telling that story, you have to fill it in with reality. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's the whole thing. But I, I, I began wanting to be a writer, and so when I began stand, it stand up. You're writing. Mm-hmm. Now there are different ways of writing. You know, some guys just develop their act on stage so they never write anything down oh wow uh, and that's a great way to do stand-up i think because the stand-up is about delivery and you know it's a it's a monologue mm-hmm. so if you're just talking and then you find the points at how you say it and where they laugh at that it's just a matter of repeating that but i wrote everything down so when i started stand-up i literally sounded like captain kirk <laughs> uh doing comedy because like uh so today i walked in because i'm remembering the right. way I, you know, I was delivering it exactly the way i wrote it and my delivery was so stilted because i was thinking about what i was saying and so i had a weird delivery and a matter of fact somebody even said that it's like you're, you're like cap you're captain kirk doing comedy and I'm like wow okay i gotta step back and figure out a delivery here or or just lean into it, brother. Just lean into it. Yeah, lean in. Like <laughs> I am Captain Kirk doing comedy. So that is my delivery. Um, you know, and I don't even do a good Captain Kirk impression. It's just the cadence was right. like Captain Kirkish. <laughs> but um, and that's because I wrote everything and I even had co- comedians at that time tell me they, they wouldn't get they wouldn't say, Hey, you're a good comedian, but they go, You're a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really a way of saying 
your delivery sucks, man. Right. <laughs> but man, I like the material. Um, so I had to grow into, you know, performing the right. stand-up. So, right. and that's another, that's a craft in itself. But, but I was always writing. And the reason I got into the stand, it was just the, well, it's, it's like the technology was not available to make cheap films. Right. You know, when I started stand-up, independent films were still 16 millimeter film, which was still <laughs> expensive. You're talking about 10 grand just to make a nothing movie. And you're like, who can afford that when you're in your early 20s? You know? Right. And, so, and you just got a bunch of film at the end of it. You can't do anything yeah, with it. Exactly you got to it. There was you have no an editor. <laughs> there was no distribution. It was anyway. But so stand-up was the lowest, lowest, the easiest rung into showbiz, really. Okay. And I could, and I, and I felt like it was something where I could, that, that you're, in one sense, you're acting because there's this a aspect to stand-up that is acting. You're, you're performing like, mm -hmm. this just happened today. Even right. though I've been building, I just got my haircut at a beauty college today, even though it's been for 10, 10 years, I've said this line on stage. Right. So yeah, it's like, um, but uh, uh, so it was, you know, writing, performing and all that stuff. And at the, even as I began stand-up, my goal was to write screenplays. Okay. All right. And um, you know, so you, you work on, but you know, what happens when you begin stand up though, is it, it, because you're, it, it's such a craft to learn, like you're spending a decade just learning that craft. So the screenwriting took kind of a back seat <laughs> to stand up itself as, as writing it did, even though I'm writing stand up notes to notes and, you know, stacks of notebooks of, of material and stuff like that. But um, but stand up was draining to me because, again, as a writer, you know, I'd write these whole pieces and because I was at the time I was writing bits. Mm -hmm. I'd write these long pieces and you have to memorize them. Right. Yeah. And then perform them. It's like mm -hmm. and I found like it's easy. Well, it's hard either way. But and I found like if you just, you know, about 10 jokes or about five minutes of material. OK, but you got to write 10 jokes. So okay. I started just writing jokes, you know, instead of these performance pieces, <laughs> their, their own, they, they were like their own little, you know, their own, their own little three act movement, you know, <laughs> they're like a skit. It's just right. what I said, like your, your, your act is like made up of three skits. Right. Really. Right. <laughs> so, but I found it was, and I was lazy because it was far. It's, it's a, and, and the other thing I was, I was inexperienced because I didn't realize you, you deliver this whole five minute skit and you only get three laughs at it. And you're like, nah, I guess I got to toss that. Like, Take the three laughs. Right. Cut everything else out. Take the three laughs. Like, oh man. I wasn't smart enough. Right. Lazy and dumb. But, uh, but eventually, yeah. So that moved me into, you know, stand up as a career full time. And then eventually uh, went back to, you know, writing in terms so, of started writing screenplays then yeah so again it's it's over and over it's repetition it's hard work hard work hard work hard work so many people kind of get this concept in their brain that oh well showbiz is just you know the the rocket ship to easy street and it's not it's just as hard as being a construction but, worker or a programmer it's, it's hard work that you love and this yeah. that's whatever you do you should love what you do i would hope in america yeah. you can you have that opportunity Amen. by god's grace we can love what we do and work mm -hmm. hard at it um and so that christopher and i have always had a motto almost from day one when we shot skip listening um which i actually have a feature script for now but yeah he uh, mentioned that he mentioned that yesterday i'm pretty excited yeah about that. so that cool uh but with the motto so because when you bring a bunch of creatives together they can get tense mm -hmm. because every creative thinks they're idea is the best and their right. way is the best that's part of being a creative person and so you bring a bunch of creatives together and it can get tense on set mm -hmm. but chris and i developed this motto where we just we were when we felt things getting tense one of us would yell out fun because <laughs> we're making a movie this is right. like what people dream of doing if you exactly. can't enjoy doing it get out of the business because you're <laughs> making it miserable for us and this should be fun this is like going to camp for right. adults i mean yes the kids play hard at camp do they wear themselves out yes and they love it yeah that's what filmmaking is it's fun absolutely so if you have this tense set it's like something's wrong right somebody somewhere is wrong it yeah. is, it's fun and they need to enjoy the process so, i love it i love it yeah. that's a great that's a great nugget 
So, so tell me a little bit about, so you got, you're, you're a comedy writer, right? Died in the wool, you know, a stand-up, stand-up comedian, but you write this script for this movie that was originally youth group, now as church people, with a pretty serious heart, right? It's this, you know, message of, well, is, is the gospel enough? Is, was, you know, was... That's the thing. Now, this is my advice to Christian creatives who want to do screenplays. Uh, never begin with, what do I want to say? begin with a story. Now, if, if you have a passionate subject and you want to say something about it, look for a story that deals with that subject, but start with the story, start with a story that goes, that's really interesting. That's a great, that's interesting to me. It's, it's a, like I found the, well, and, and I'm, you know, this was the, the movie satirical in nature, which Christians struggle with satire though. Very uh, true. Because satire is, you know, you're saying, the opposite of what you mean and christians are you know we're people of the truth say what you mean right. so satire is like almost a dichotomy for christians sometimes so we struggle with satire a little bit mm-hmm. um, and then we're living in satirical times so satire is hard for people to recognize when you're living in a satire you right don't recognize <laughs> the craziness that you're living in and and some of that is the christian subculture and and i think that the other thing is people think because it's a comedy you're not taking the subject matter seriously and that's not true at all. Uh, right. You know, you, you can, you know, comedy can say a lot dealing with a very, just because it's a comedy doesn't mean we don't take the, the gospel seriously. Right? Absolutely. Sometimes people misinterpret that. You know, I've had people to say every now and then I still get it. Sometimes people say Christian comedian, isn't that an oxymoron? As if a Christian can't say something funny, as if there's something that they literally said that they, they don't associate being funny with being a Christian. I'm like, that just shows their worldview is, Right. Very, very flat or something. There's something not wholly biblical about their worldview. Yeah. If God's yeah. the God of all creation, did he not create humor? Sure he did. Did he did <laughs> Satan create humor? No, he didn't. So, you know, why should the devil have all the good comedy? So, That's right. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I had a point in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you were talking about you want to start with the story and then. Start with the story. That's it. Yeah. Start with the story. And then work on the story, and the, when the story is engaging, now depending, like our our subject matter, like the story was dealing with the gospel itself. Like, mm-hmm. do we need bells and whistles to make the gospel so called relevant? Right, and uh, and that's a lot. Of, it's 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 really dealing with the church growth movement. It's a dealing with, a, it's really dealing with the methodology mm-hmm. of the church, which is a serious issue. But yeah. some of our methodology is so flawed that it is satirical yes, because absolutely. everything, uh, well, most everything in that film, we didn't have to make up, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, I knew a church planter. I, it became a thing. I'll get, a, I'll get the church logo tattooed on my arm if we hit certain numbers. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a thing. Right. Uh, the whole, be a, this is almost, you know, well, here's the, so here's the times. Really, so this past Easter, which we just had last mm-hmm. week, right. it was a local church where I live. They advertised this Easter BMX show. <laughs> so that's what we had in the movie. We had the bikes jumping, you know, off a ramp over the pastor's head. Right. Now, what was originally in the script was those were motorcycles. Okay. Because some pastor actually did that. He actually <laughs> had the motorcycles drive down the aisles of the sanctuary up on a platform up on the stage and no way over his head during a sermon for a sermon illustration, you know, pastors wearing Superman costumes. They're, they're doing all these, like, I didn't make any of that up. This is just, I'm just reporting at this oh point. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and that's what, well, here's what happened. So you're putting all that in there to make a point, which is, you know, sometimes in order, it, sometimes in trying to, reach people we actually make the gospel silly in the yeah. way we try to reach our methodology matters it yeah. really does well we, we minimize we minimize the message of the gospel right because the, there's... Uh, somehow the, the the power of the, of the message itself is not enough we think yeah yeah absolutely yeah. We, we, and we minimize that with all of this extra and yeah. all of this insanity yeah. and so that's and, the serious point of the movie is yeah and and it was screened to you know several uh, mega church pastors and, and they didn't they really they, the, the comment that they was like i feel like he's talking about us <laughs> so we're not against i'm not against mega churches 
I'm right. not against mega churches. I'm not against big churches, but there's a definite problem in the church at large with our mentality mm-hmm. because Absolutely. now I'm rounding out these numbers, but there are about 40, there, excuse me, there are about 400,000 churches in America out of those 400,000 churches. And they're not all Bible believing churches, of course, but out of the 400,000 churches in America, only a thousand are mega churches. So the average church in America is about 50 people. Right. Now you right. can have 50 to 100 to 200 to 300, but the average church is 50 people. So that's normal. That's what a normal church looks like. Mm-hmm. But what dominates our mentality in the evangelical church is the minority viewpoint of right. these mega churches. They dominate our viewpoint and it is damaging to the body of Christ. It's damaging to how we live our lives as Christians. And the methodology, I think, is also damaging. So they're important issues. And again, I'm not against big churches. Right. You know, but again, you know, well, I think uh, I'm I against think, some of the methodology. Yeah, I think anytime you take the minority view and you view it as the majority, you're going to have skewing, right? I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. You can't you can't it avoid is. it. So, I mean, yeah. I think I think that's dangerous regardless of the subject matter. But it's really yes. critically dangerous when we're talking about the church and the gospel and robbing the gospel of the power of, of the message that it is. You know, it's just, hey, we don't need anything other than the crucifixion. And, and oh, by the way, if you add anything to the crucifixion of Jesus, it's no longer, you know, it's no longer the gospel, right? It becomes a different message. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, so in terms of like, you know, just if you were speaking to the 17 year old Thor Ramsey out there, if you could, you know, speak through a time capsule back at your younger self, what would be some advice that you would give the younger Thor? And and by extension, you know, some of our, some of our listeners out there, some of these creatives out there who are just starting on their journey. Um, wow. Well, one of the things I would say is, is, um, trying to, figure out how to word this or how to express the sentiments, but um, don't be as afraid as, don't be as afraid as reject. Don't be afraid of rejection. Amen. Don't be afraid of what you think is like a good idea or what you think is funny. Stick to that. Don't drop it right away. Again. Yeah. The audience does shape you know, what we're doing, but there's an aspect to, you can't write, because people make this mistake. I'll write what I think people want. Right. And that's the way to write something no one wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Christian films are really, I mean, again, I, I'm a defender of the Christian subculture now. I think Christian films have really improved in the last decade, but there is a, you know, I saw this early on. I don't see it as much anymore. But there's a you used to see this in Christian music a lot. It was a horrific. I thought it was horrific because it's completely unoriginal. But there'd be a secular hit. Now let's do the Christian version. Right. You can do the right. same thing with the movie. There's a movie. It's, it's this, and let's make the Christian version of right. of that. You know, it's like whatever it's called. You know, you can pick any movie. Uh, you know, name a movie. What's your favorite movie? I uh, will say Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, that boy. Yeah, big, we couldn't do that as Christians. We don't have that budget. So we just uh, we don't have the budget for that. But you know, but you got the fantasy thing, and you just. But Lord of the Rings, in one sense, was written. You know, it's to- Tolkien, so it's too it's right. too Christian already. It's right. Christian enough. Sure. Um, you know, the symbolism. Right, we'll, and everything. we'll go crazy. We'll say Die Hard. Yeah, see, so Die Hard. You can take Die Hard, and you're like, let's do Die Hard as a Christian. So you got the. <laughs> so you just do the Die Hard version of you know, it's like you know, it's like died he died for you hard you know that whatever <laughs> you're gonna tweak the title and you know so it's it's just becomes but it becomes it, it's paint by numbers and right. art and you know paint by numbers is never you never see a paint by numbers painting going that's brilliant right exactly you know, like this is wow your, your dad your dad did this in his spare time because he's a mechanic <laughs> right uh, um <laughs> My dad used to like paint by number paintings. He, he, he enjoyed it. So he did that. That's fine. You can do it. It's a hobby, but it's not, it's, con, it's not, you know, it's not the kind of art you want people to pay for. Right. Exactly. So my point is, you know, like I, I, I would say this to myself as a standup back then, it's push through more. When you have a concept, push through, don't be afraid of the silence from the audience 
you're going to have to push through the place where you're almost immune to their rejection so you can get to something original. And that's what it takes. And and I I don't think most of us, I, I didn't, I don't think most of us have the emotional, psychological, spiritual wherewithal to get to that place of originality. Mm-hmm. most of us we do our art because we want to be appreciated and loved for it right. there's something that drives us you know there's something about the artist that you know wants to be appreciated but that that's biblical you know god created the heavens and the earth and then he you know it was like almost it's this almost this idea that he stepped back and you know looked at it and it's good and yeah. enjoyed his own creation and artists Absolutely. do that all the time you know you know that feeling when you create something you kind of I do this all the time. If somebody says, Hey, I watched your movie or I'm going to see your movie. I'm like, okay, I need to go back and take a look at that and see what, and I kind of imagine how, what they're thinking at certain point. I'm revisiting it through their eyes in one sense. And so mm-hmm. artists mm-hmm. do this all the time. Creatives do this all the time. Um, so yeah, I would just say, you know, push through that, uh, that initial re- rejection, you know, especially in performance art things. Um, because you got to get there to get something original. Um, so, you know, and that's, I think that's what it's hard to do in Christian because Christian film is a genre. Mm-hmm. I tell people Chris, Christian, and I'm for it now because um, before I was not a, I was not a big advocate of the Christian subculture. Um, but I am now because especially the way culture is now, I don't right. believe that for creatives who are in front of the camera or have, for the writers and actors and directors, there's not really a place in Hollywood for you, in my right. opinion, if you're, if you're an outspoken Christian. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're behind the cameras and you're a cameraman or a gaffer or something like that, yes, uh, because you're contributing to the process. Um, the question is, do you like what you're contributing to in the Hollywood? Right. You know, because Hollywood has a worldview that dominates. It's far left. And it is anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. Now you might have, now I think you have you have that tier dominates Hollywood. They want to push a certain agenda. They do push an agenda. And they push mm-hmm. it in a propagandist type way. Right. And then you have a tier where people, uh, yeah, they just they just want to do their craft. They're not really political idea, but they do their craft. But what they shut up because they know who dominates, so they right. shut up about it. Right. Um, you know. So you got that going on. But uh, and then you got tier three, where it's like people with a different point of view that can be outspoken. But yeah, eventually they they are going to be, you know, it's it's the McCarthy era again. They're going to be blackballed. They're right. going to blacklisted. You know, they're mm-hmm. not going to work. Um, you know, we can give ex- real life examples. This is not sure. you know, this is not conjecture anymore. This is not a conspiracy theory. This yeah, is it's reality happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. and that being said, that's why a Christian subculture in terms of film is necessary because we're in the world. We're not of the world. That's why we have a different, we have different types of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, Christian films have been, you know, criticized for years. You know, you guys just make such bad films. It's like, well, you know what? The secular market makes more. You guys may make more <laughs> bad films because there's more of you. You have more money. You make more bad films. Do you make more good films? Yes, but there's more of you. Right. You have more money or, you know, talent to choose from. You know what a big budget in the Christian realm is? Like $2,000. That's right. a big budget. <laughs> exactly. in, in the secular market, five million, or I meant $2 million. Right. $2 million is a big budget, but yeah. $5 million, that's the low end of a low budget film in the secular market. We don't yeah, even come close to the, their low end. Oh, I know. And some and of them won't even high end come close to their low end. Yeah, some of them won't but, even talk to you unless you have a $10 million budget out the gate. They're like, that's if it's exactly so- it. But now, <laughs> Are our films getting better? I think they are getting better. I think our crafts are getting better. The the production values are getting better. Now, what we have to really work on is our stories Mm -hmm. because Christian films are a genre. And in a genre, you have to hit certain points that the audience is expecting. Right. And in a Christian film, you have to have, there has to be a biblical Christian message in it. Now, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a message movie per se, but the characters have to be some they have to represent the evangelical christian mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. and they have to they have to be free of language right. bad language that type of thing and i, I know some christian artists like if you want to start inserting everything the world has in their movies then just go make movies over there <laughs> exactly. you don't you don't want to make christian it's a genre exactly. you're not going to meet the genre character 
people have an agreement. They want their eight-year-old kid to be able to sit and watch whatever movie it is. I don't care what your movie subject matter is. They want their eight-year-old to be, to be able to sit there with them. If you're going to make Die Hard for the Christian market, an eight-year-old's got to be able to watch that Die Hard movie. <laughs> Exactly. So that's the agreement you're making with the audience. Now, if you don't want to make those movies, then you don't want to make Christian movies. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Go make Absolutely. secular movies. Go make right. movies in the general market. <laughs> and good luck with you know being an outspoken Christian. Right. Because <laughs> they're going to quash you. <laughs> yeah. And be the son. And that's why, you know, I, I have Chris, Christian filmmaking friends who say, why can't we just, you know, if, if I ask people who want to make Christian films, what are your favorite films? They'll mention things like Up and, and like, but those aren't Christian films. Right. You know, right. they, they might have common grace values because you can't make a film uh, without some sort of Christian values because God created all things. That's right. So, Amen. you know, there's an idea that everyone's morality that has any semblance of sanity is going to represent Christian morality because right. God has written his laws upon every human being's heart. So Amen. even the unbeliever is going to understand uh, the hero's journey, so to speak, or a redemptive theme. That's right. why there's movies that appeal to a broad range of people. Sure, fantastic. But we're talking about Christian genre films. That's a different category. We're not making up. If we make up, you know what? Those those two cartoon characters are they're going to be Christians in some way. That's right. the whole thing, <laughs> you know. So there's going to be an aspect where up is there's going to be a Christian element in there. Absolutely. Uh, and again. Uh, and I'm not talking about just stamping Bible verses on things, but I'm saying right. there's there's it's a genre expectation. If you're writing a murder mystery, you know what? Someone's got to be killed in the beginning. <laughs> That's just you can't write a murder mystery unless you have a dead body. That's right. Now write it creatively. Do whatever you want creatively, but you got to have a dead body. You got to have an investigator. You have to have a villain. You have to, and there's and there's other things in that genre that the audience expects. And when they're right. not met, you know what the audience says? just i don't know what it was i don't know what it was about that movie that just right. <laughs> it just well, wasn't very good <laughs> well they, it just didn't hit with them because right. they were expecting sure. certain you know things to, to happen so Absolutely. That, that's just the reality of christian filmmaking and i think there's a huge onus as well you know and what you're saying thor is exactly correct but i think there's a big onus as well on the christian consumer one of the one of the big problems that we face in the christian film market you know the film industry rather is that we do have to deal with these reduced production budgets, but because we have those reduced produ production budgets, the reason for that is because Christians aren't out there putting their dollars behind these movies. If the studios saw that people were actually buying these movies and, and they were able to get their money back on the back end, then budgets would go up and you'd be able to have better. Well, be if you look at the Kendrick Brothers budgets. movies, I mean, their movies have made money. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. The Brothers, all their movies have made money. Um, so. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure in the current cultural climate we live in that money even speaks to Hollywood. <laughs> They've got enough money. They don't need our money. So they don't, I mean, even when the Kendrick brothers movies did well and broke the top 10 in the box office, Hollywood never came knocking to their, well, as far right. as I know, you know, I've, I've never uh, talked to them. So. Yeah. Um, I was talking about Christian producers. So, you know, them, them yeah, saying, Hey, yeah. we'll get off the dime. Because you know we we know this is going to be you know a well hit it's box a, movies are a risky venture you never Absolutely. know and I and I said I was talking to somebody yesterday going just like don't try to write the crossover film I think as our films get better I think one film will I think there'll be a Christian genre film that'll cross over mm -hmm. but it won't cross over because they intended it to cross over right you know it'll cross over because all of a sudden it just people just like it that story hit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, there's no formula to that. If there's a formula, right. we'd all do it. You know, Absolutely. That's the whole thing. Every, every movie would be a crossover. <laughs> that's exactly, every movie would be a crossover. That's exactly it. But um, again, you know, is that your goal to be a crossover artist? You know, I, I think that's uh, just be an artist. Yeah. Do what you're called to do and do it to the glory of God. And, Amen. You know, a man, uh, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's that whole thing. That's so right. Make your decisions, write your script, and just got to leave it in the Lord's hands. That's right. Absolutely. At, uh, at, at my company, Brain Pixel, we've got a saying that's uh, don't get ahead of God. So it's there just all go. about following in his footsteps, whatever he's going to lead you into. Well, Thor, uh, definitely tell our listeners and our watchers out there, uh, again, where they can find out more about church people, where they can watch it, uh, yeah, social media links. So go to churchpeoplefilm.com, and that's the best uh, site to go to. And there they can they can watch the film for a certain amount of time. Um, they can order it, I guess, on on online. Well, it's, it's got the links there. You can go to Salem now, 
And okay. Salem Now right now, you can either rent it or you can buy it through Salem Now for people familiar with that. Uh, their church is showing it around the country right now. Excellent. Uh, I think for the last month, I think it was last month. Well, I know it was about a month that churches were showing it around the country. I still, still think that's going on for about another week or two. Okay. Um, but, and then, but it'll just let you know when we roll it out, when we roll it out uh, through other media platforms like, you know, ITV or Prime, iMovie awesome. or stuff like that. Awesome. Well, again, Thor, thank you so much for being on today. I'd love to pray for us uh, as we kind of close out the show here. All right, man. All right, so let's go before the Father. High King of Heaven, we just come before you today, uh, praising your name and making much about you, Father. We thank you so much for this technology, which enables us to talk across the country or across the world. Uh, we thank you for living in a country, Father, where we can still openly, um, without fear of persecution, uh, talk about you and speak your name and talk about your gospel. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to get to know Thor a little bit today. I, I pray your blessings upon him and upon his family, upon all the endeavors that uh, he puts his hand to, Father. I know that uh, just from this short conversation that he has a heart for you and, and a love for your scripture. And I just pray, Father, your blessings upon uh, the things that um, are before him in terms of his work and his projects. I just pray that you will bless um, all the things that um, he is doing for you and for your kingdom. I pray a blessing over church people, Father, this entire movie, um, all of the people that are watching it. I pray that they hear the truth of the gospel presented, uh, that they know that the gospel doesn't need anything else but what you've already hard baked into it, Father. And I, and I praise you for that. I praise you for your grace and for your mercy. Uh, I just thank you so much again, Father, for this opportunity. And I just uh, ask if there's anything that we can do um, to help Thor and to help church people that you will place it before us and uh, have your Holy Spirit goad us into making that happen. Uh, we just be careful, Father, to give you the praise and the glory for all that happens. In your son's name, we ask it all. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Thor. And uh, to everybody out there watching and listening, thank you for tuning in. Be sure and share uh, this and spread the word about uh, what Thor is doing with church people and be looking out for his next projects. So we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. To find all the links and the resources that were mentioned as a part of the show, head over to our website and check out our page at theophanymedia.com forward slash Thor. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.